0: Alhamdulillah. Ne'hmadahu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'khiru. Wa na'audhu billahi min shururi anfusina. Wa min sagiyat amalina. Ma'iyahdihi Allah falamudillala. Ma'yudlil falahadiyala. Wa ashadu wa la ilaha وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم مع مالكم لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتعي الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوز نظيما أما بعد فإن أستقال حديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هج محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والشعر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وَقُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضُلَالَةٍ وَقُلَّ ضُلَالَةٍ فِي الْلَاحِ Continuing with the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha coming from the words of the Nabushaykh Abdul Aziz Ibn Abdillallah Ibn Rahimahullah ta'ala. We covered yesterday some of the virtues of Surah Al-Fatiha from these virtues, Allah has legislated for His servants that Fatiha is to be recited in every raka'. Also, we covered from the virtues of Surah Fatiha that it has the name of Ummul Quran, the mother of the Quran. Nafati the Fatiha is known as the mother of the Qur'an. Due to all of the meanings of Surah Al-Fatiha, of the Qur'an returning back to Surah Al-Fatiha. As we covered that the ulama, they have mentioned that the Qur'an is divided into three topics. the tawheed al Ahkam. And Al Qasas. The Quran is divided into the Tawheed of Allah, number two, the rules and regulations, and number three, the stories of the nations of the past. And you find all three of these matters mentioned in Surah Al Fatiha. Another benefit for Surah Al Fatiha. Prophet said, That indeed, Fatiha is the greatest surah in the book of Allah. al-sab'u And indeed, Fatiha is the 7 oft off-repeated verses. And indeed, the, these seven verses in Surah Al-Fatiha, we repeat them more than any other verses. We repeat Surah Al-Fatiha more than any other Surah in the Qur'an. And fatiha is known as Al-Quran Al-Azhiq, the magnificent Qur'an. And Al-Fatiha is Al-Hab, the praise. Meaning because after the Basmala, the Fatiha begins with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So Shaykh Ibn Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he stated that this surah, this magnificent surah, it consists of the praise of Allah and the magnification of Allah. And this surah clarifies that Allah is the one who is entitled to be worshipped. And Allah is entitled to being the one who helped us sought from. This surah consists of teaching the servants and directing the servants to ask Allah for the guidance to the straight path. Therefore from the the magnificent bounties of Allah upon His servants, is this magnificent surah. And Allah has legislated for His servants to recite this surah in every rakah. Whether the prayer is an obligatory prayer for the prayer is a supererogatory prayer. And Allah Azawajal has made Surah Al-Fatiha a pillar of the prayer in every rakah. And this is based upon the statement of the Prophet, لَا لِمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأَ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ That there is no prayer for the one who does not recite the opening chapter of the book. The Prophet sallallahu also said, and The Prophet said, perhaps you recite behind your imam. And we covered that this came, or the statement of the Prophet came as a result, of the Sahaba مجمعين, reciting behind him in the prayer. And he can hear them reciting along with him. So after he finished praying, he turned to them and stated, perhaps you recite behind your Imam. And they said yes. And the Prophet wasallam said to them, do not do this. and do not recite along with the Imam except for the opening chapter of the book, meaning the Fatiha indeed there is no prayer for the one who does not recite it. So the Sheikh mentioned that it is obligatory upon everyone who prays to recite in his or her prayer behind the imam Surah Al-Fatiha. If the individual is ignorant of the rule or he forgets, or he comes to the prayer and the Imam is in Rahur, then the obligation of reciting fatiha is removed and the Imam carries the obligation on behalf of the one praying behind him in this case. So when the person comes to the masjid, the Imam is in the And the person enters into the prayer. And he makes Rukor with the Imam and he does not recite Fatiha. This suffices him. And the obligation of reciting Fatiha is removed from him because he was not present at the time when he could have recited Fatiha. And also, it is authentically established that Abu Bakr, and this is not Abu Bakr, it's Abu Bakr, he came and found the Prophet ﷺ was in Rukur. So he entered into the prayer and went to Rukur behind the soft, And then he walked up to the rank while, while in the state of Rukur. And the Prophet ﷺ was informed of that after the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ said to Abu Bakr, hirsan wa la ta'ud. May Allah increase you in your eagerness to do good, to catch the prayer. But do not do this again. We covered that some of the ulama I mentioned. The prophet saying, Do not do this again, meaning do not make rukur behind the rank and walk to the rank while you're in rukur. Don't do this again. Others say that what the Prophet وسلم, was referring to was Abu Bakr rushing to the prayer. That he told him, Don't do this again, meaning don't come to the prayer in a state when you are rushing. And there is a prohibition for this. We are prohibited from running to the Salat. Sometimes the people, they're able to hear the ikama from outside of the masjid, and then you see the people rushing or running to, to inside the masjid to catch the salah. Walk, don't rush. And sometimes you see this, like on the day of Jummah here, When the Imam is leading the Salah, the khutbah is over, you see brothers running from far, from from the other end of the entrance of the uh, the parking lot. And you're running across. This is not befitting. Muhammad wasallam forbade us from running to the Salah, rather we come to the Salah in a state of sakina, tranquility. This is the Sunnah. So that when you come to the prayer, in the state of tranquility, it makes it easy for you to enter right into a state of khushur. When you run into the prayer, and your heart is racing, and you're trying to catch your breath, and you enter into the prayer in a state, this is not being in a state of khushur. And indeed, having khushur in the prayer, One of the reasons why the believers are successful. Successful indeed are the believers, those who have khushur in their prayers. And becoming that other Sahaba after the death of the Prophet they continue this practice of making rukur behind the rank in order to catch the Imam in that raka'ah. So for this reason you find that some of the ulama, they say that when the Prophet said, wa la ta'ud May Allah increase you in your eagerness to attain that which is good and your concern for that which is good. But don't repeat this. They say this is in relation to rushing to the prayer and not bowing behind the soft or the rank in order to catch the raka'ah. The shah mentions that the Prophet did not command him to repeat the raka'ah. Meaning he missed <coughs> the recitation of Fatiha. And the Prophet did not command him to recite Fatiha. Or repeat the raka'ah with reciting Fatiha due to him not reciting Fatiha. And that's because he didn't have the time to recite Fatiha. So whenever a person comes to the prayer and he doesn't have time to recite Fatiha and the Imam is in the and he joins the prayer and he enters into Ruqur the recitation of Fatiha is excused. Or the, the, the obligation of reciting Fatiha is excused. But one important point when the Imam is in rukur and you come to the prayer, you have to make sure you make both takbirs takbir to ihram and then the takbir f- to move to rukur. Some people, they come to the prayer, the Imam is in rukur, they say, Allahu Akbar. They make takbir to ihram while going down. No, you have to be in a standing position For those who are able to stand Making to ihram Although the imam is in So you come to the prayer Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Some people come And they say Allahu Akbar And they go down like that Ibn Qudama Rahimahullah ta'ala He mentioned That perhaps this individual's salah is not accepted Due to what? individual not being in the position for the of the ihram because bowing is not the position where you say the of the ihram you have to be in the correct position so just take note of that so the sheikh I mentioned so the Prophet did not command him to make up the Raqqa and this is an indication that he caught the Raqqa. so if the person comes to the prayer and finds that the Imam is in Rukur and he does not have the time to recite Fatiha and then let him enter into the prayer and go straight into Rukur following the Imam and he is excused from the Fatiha in this case. Shahi mentions or if the individual is ignorant or he forgets the Fatiha and doesn't recite it then he is pardoned for this matter, and the recitation of the Imam will be for him in this case. As for the person who knows and remembers to recite Fatiha, then it is obligatory upon him to recite Fatiha along with the Imam. Just as it is obligatory upon the one who is praying by himself, or the Imam, that the person must recite Fatiha, likewise... It is obligatory upon the one who's praying behind the Imam who remembers and knows the Fatiha to recite Fatiha. And the Fatiha or the recitation of Fatiha is a, a duty upon this individual, it's a right upon this individual to recite Fatiha if, even if he's praying by himself. And likewise, it is a right upon the Imam to recite Fatiha. And then we covered the narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he stated that Allah Ta'ala stated, and this is Al-Hadith Al-Qudsi, that I have divided the prayer between me and my servant into two parts. The prayer here means Fatiha. Meaning I have divided the Fatiha into two halves, or between me and my servant into two halves. So when the servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Allah says, Hamidani Abdi, My servant has praised me. And when the servant says, Ar-Rahman rahim Allah says, My servant has mentioned me, Athna Alayya Abdi, My servant has mentioned me in a good manner. And when the servant says, Maliki Yawm Allah says, Majdani Abdi, My servant has magnified me. And the shaykh mentions that this magnification is the repeating of the praise, and being vast in one's praise of Allah And then when the servant says, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ Allah says, هَذَا بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ عَبْدِي وَلِعَبْدِي مَا Allah says, this is between me and my servant, and for my servant is that which he has asked for. And this is what we left off yesterday. So the shakir says, Fa فإن حق الله على عباده أن يعبدوه وإياك نستعين حق للعبد أن يستعين بالله في كل شيء يقول الله جل وعلا وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدوه حق الله عليهم أن يعبدوا وفالحديث الصحيح يقول الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم حق الله على العباد أن يعبدوه ولا يشرك به شيئا هذا حق الله على أن يعبدوا بطاعة وترك ويحذروا الشرك بالله The shaykh says The statement of إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إياك نعبد Wa'aikum salam You alone Allah we worship This is the right of Allah for indeed, the right of Allah upon his servants is that they worship him alone. This is the right of Allah upon his servants, that they worship him alone. And as for the statement, and you are Allah alone we seek for help, this is the right for the servant, that he seeks the aid of Allah in all of his. This is an important statement here from the Sheikh taala that we seek or it is the right of the servant that he seeks the aid of Allah Azza in all affairs. No matter how big the affair is or how small the affair may seem to be, never leave off seeking Allah's aid. And this is something that we are taught. To constantly return back to Allah Azza wa seeking His aid and recognizing that there is no might and no power except by way of Allah. Look what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi taught us that when the Mu'addin is calling the Adhan, that we are to repeat after Mu'addin. When the muaddin says Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, we say Allahu Akbar. Allah. When the muaddin says Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, we say Ashhadu an la ilaha. When the muaddin says Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah, we say Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. But now, when the muaddin gets to Hayya al-salah, and when he gets to Hayya al-falah. The Prophet ﷺ taught us to say, quwwata illa billah." There is no might and no power except by way of Allah. The scholars, they mentioned that the wisdom behind that. That when the mu'adhan is saying, come to the prayer, come to the prayer, come to the success, come to the success. Our response is, there is no might and no power except with Allah. Meaning that we will not have the ability to respond to the call of the mu'addin, Except by the might and the power of Allah Azza wa Showing the importance, barakallahu feeku, Of seeking Allah's aid And seeking Allah's help Because without the aid of Allah and without Allah's help We're lost, we're weak We don't have no ability It is Allah Azza wa who gives us the ability to get up in the morning And make it to the masjid to pray Salat al-Fajr in congregation. And to get up in the morning and to go to work to earn a lawful living. Allah is the one who gives us the ability to fast these many hours in this month of Ramadan. Allah is the one who gives us these abilities. So it is a must that a person constantly returns back to Allah seeking his aid, seeking his help. And never get to a point that you see yourself as being self-sufficient and independent from Allah Allah, He loves those who call upon Him. And He hates those who do not call upon Him. Allah loves that we call upon Him. Why? Because this shows our need for Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Different from human beings. We don't like a person constantly asking us for something. Get upset. If we we were to come to the masjid, and every time we come to the masjid, somebody's begging for money. Well, Allah, we get upset. And it's guy always asking for every time and never fails. Or the brother walks up, oh, well here you go. you are got to start asking for money. This is how people respond. Because no one, amongst human beings, we don't like. We don't like to be constantly asked. This is human nature. Ask for Allah, he loves that you constantly ask him. Because this shows that you are faqiyah, you're poor, and you're needy. And Allah Azza is al-ghani, <laughs> the one who the is, is self-sufficient and dependent. And Allah is al samad the one whom all depends upon, but he doesn't depend on anyone. So the Shaykh says, Allah Ta'ala, he states, And I have not created the jinn on mankind except to worship me. The right of Allah upon mankind is that they worship Him alone. The fathership. La 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 la. The La la. The Fazl. The The So the says that the right of Allah upon His servants is that they worship Him alone. And in the authentic hadith, the Messenger of Allah he said, the right of Allah upon His servants is that they worship Him and do not associate any partners with Him. And the right of Allah upon His servants is that they worship Him and they do not associate any partners with Him. The sheikh said, this is the right of Allah upon His servants, that they worship Him with being adherent and obedient to His commandments and he leave off his prohibitions and he be aware of associating mm-hmm. parts of him. The Shaykh he says, wa taqadim fiddars al Mahdi, Anna aslahadi al-Ibada wa asasu. Wa asasaha Shahadu Anlaila Hailullah. Wa anna Muhammad al Rasulullah. Wahhada Asul Ibada. Wa asasul ibada. Tawhirullah wa iman bi rasulihi. صلى الله عليه وسلم. فأعظم العبادة وأهمها الشهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله. فعلى كل مكلف أن يتعبده عن علم ويقين وصدق أنه لا إله إلا الله. والمعنى لا معبد حق إلا الله كما قال الله تعالى. The shaykh he says, it has proceeded in the previous lesson, meaning a lesson that the Sheikh did before he did this lesson, that the origin of this worship, and the foundation of this worship, is the testimony of, Of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That's the origin of ibadah. That's the basis and the foundation of worship. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. The Shaykh says this is the origin of worship and the basis of worship. The tawheed of Allah and belief in His Messenger. Now you look at this. The scholars they mentioned, in order for an act of worship to be accepted by Allah, two conditions have to be met. Number one, the act has to be done sincerely for Allah. And number two, the act has to be performed the way the Prophet Wasallam did it. And of course, there's evidence for this, like the statement of Allah, فَمَنْ كَانَ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ رَبِّهِ the last verse. Therefore, whoever hopes for the meeting with his Lord, then let him work righteous actions. And let him not associate anyone in the worship of his Lord. Thayy. The one who hopes with the meeting with his Lord, that's the believer. Let him work righteous actions, meaning let him perform actions that are righteous the way the Prophet taught, Sallallahu Alaihi Because a righteous action is that which the Prophet taught us, Sallallahu Doing other than what the Prophet taught us is not righteousness. Not. No matter how you slice it, no matter who brings it, if it's not what the Prophet taught us of how to worship Allah, we can't consider it righteousness. Why? Because the Prophet was the most righteous of the people, and there's no one who's more righteous than the Prophet Wasallam. So what he brought us, it came from Allah, it didn't come from himself. So whatever he brought, then this is the best way to worship Allah, and nothing else is equal to it. So the righteous action is an action that's done the way the Prophet did it sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then Allah says, And let him not associate any partners in the worship of his Lord. That's the sincerity. The action is done for Allah alone. So here you have, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad rasulullah in the verse. The la ilaha illallah being, Not associating anyone in the worship of his Lord. And Muhammad rasulullah is, Let him do righteous actions. Another verse when you Now whoever submits his face to Allah and he's a good doer, then he has Graham hold to the from handhold. Whoever submits his face to Allah, meaning whoever worships Allah sincerely, that's what's meant by submitting one's face to Allah, that you only worship Allah. and then he's a good doer, good doer, meaning he follows the Prophet of So there are many, many proofs. From the Quran and from the Sunnah that prove that in order for a person's act of worship to be accepted, that the individual number one has to perform the action in accordance to sincerity or with sincerity and in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. Regarding these two matters sincerity and following of the Prophet, the people are divided into four categories. The first category, those who worship Allah sincerely and they follow the Prophet Meaning they worship Allah sincerely and correctly. Correctly is following the Prophet. That's the first group. That group, their ibadah is accepted. Because they came with both conditions. The ikhlas and the itiba'ah. Sincerity and the following. The second group, they worship Allah sincerely, but they don't worship Him correctly. Meaning they have sincerity. But the way that they're doing the ibadah is not correct. It's not accepted. Even though they're sincere, no one is attacking their sincerity or doubting this. The person is sincere, Allah knows the person is sincere. But the way that he's doing the worship is not correct, so Allah doesn't accept it. The Prophet he said, عمل The hadith is in Sahih Muslim, on the authority of Aisha. Radiallahu anha. That whoever does an action that does not have our affair over, meaning it's not in accordance to the teachings of Islam, it's rejected. This narration doesn't say, except in the case, if he's sincere. No, whoever does an action, whether you're sincere or not. If the action is not done in accordance to the religion, it's rejected. So that's the second category of the people. They are sincere, but they do not worship correctly. Third category. (laughs) The people are not sincere. But the act of worship is done correctly. Likewise, these individuals, their ibadah is not accepted. The proof of this, the hadith with the Prophet mentioned, the first three people to go to hell, the one who fought in battle, the one who used to recite the Quran and teach the people, and the one who used to give his money in sadaq. So the man who was fought in battle, he was killed. Allah will bring him. And Allah will remind him of the bounties he gave him. Allah will ask him, what did you do with these bounties? The man will say, oh Allah, I fought in your sake, or I fought in your cause until I was martyred For your sake. Allah will say, you have lied. You fought in order that it be said, that you are and you have, you're courageous, you're brave. And it was said. And then, the narrator says, when he that, he'll be dragged on his face into the hellfire. Allah Here's a man, fought in battle. Out, outwardly he look, it looks like he's fighting في But it's not for Allah. His intentions are corrupt. He's fighting so that it can be said. MashaAllah, Fulan man, he's real brave. You've seen him? What did this call the shikta? What did he the, Yes, of course. The intention is not, not sound. So that's why the ibadah is rejected. So the next man is brought. The person who used to read the Quran, used to teach the people, Allah would bring him. He said, what did you do with these bounties I gave you? You would say, Oh Allah, I recited the Qur'an for you. And I used to teach the people for your sake. Allah would say, Kadept. You have lied. You know, Allah knows what's in the heart. You can outwardly show one thing and hide what's in your heart. But Allah knows. We as people don't know what's in the hearts of, the, of men. We only can judge by that which we outwardly see and here. As for what's in the heart of an individual, that's between him and his Lord. But Allah knows. And he will establish the truth of the matter. Allah says, "Kadat, You have lied. You recited the Quran in order that it be said that you are qari, You are a reciter. And you taught the people in order that it be said that you are an Alam, You are a person who has knowledge. وَقَدْ قِيلَ And it was said about you. Meaning, you got what you wanted. And then he'll be dragged on his face into the hellfire. And then the last man will be brought. Is a man who used to give his wealth in sadaqah. And Allah will remind him of the benefits that he was sold on him. And he will say, What did you do with these bounties? The man will say, Oh Allah, whenever there was a path that needed to be spent on, I spent my money for that path for Yasi. Allah will say, that, you have lied. You spent the money in order that the people can say about you that you are generous. He wants to be known as a kind man. And Allah will say, qad And it was said about you that you were generous. To be dragged on his face into the hellfire. When you look at the actions of these three men, each action is legislated. It's an action from what the Prophet said, did. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He fought in battle To make la ila ala lahu wa Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He recited the Quran And he taught the people And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Used to give sadaqah To the point Whenever he would get wealth He would give it away right away He never liked That wealth would remain in his home The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Because he would give it away To the point that one individual came and the Prophet gave him an abundance of them. He went back to his people and said, Oh, my people, accept Islam, for indeed Muhammad he gives and he don't fear poverty. Just gives. But the shahid, these three actions, the Prophet did all three of them. But why are these individuals being dragged on their faces into the hellfire? Because they lacked sincerity didn't do it for the sake of Allah, it was done to get the praise of the people. So that's the third category of people. The last category of people, those individuals who do acts of worship, it's not sincerely for the sake of Allah, nor is it done for the religion, or correctly, excuse me. It's not sincerely for the sake of Allah, nor is it done correctly. Like those hypocrites who entered into the religion, to destroy the religion from within. Like Abdullah bin Sabah, the Jew from Yemen who pretended to be a Muslim to destroy Islam from within. He brought about a creed, telling the people that Ali bin Abi Talib is Allah. So the last category of people, those individuals, who come with matters the religion is not done sincerely for the sake of Allah nor is it correct and the example is Abdullah ibn Sabah he was a Yahudi who entered into Islam to destroy Islam from within like Paul destroyed the religions of the Christians because he knew he cannot attack Islam outwardly as a Yahud, because we are God so he pretended to be a Muslim, so that the Muslims that they guard down, and then he brings new things. in the religion, that's not from the religion. He was the one who incited the people to revolt against Uthman ibn Affan. That wasn't something that was done sincerely for Allah's sake, nor was it something that was correct. And then he got the people to believe, from amongst them, that Ali was Allah. So Ali ibn Abi Talib, when they kept saying that he was Allah and he would not repent, he dug some ditches for them, threw them in the ditch and set them on fire. And look at the deviance of these people. As they were being punished, they were saying, truly indeed he is Allah because no one punishes with the fire except for Allah. Allah. Deeper into their deviance. Abdullah ibn Abbas He so, wrote to Ali ibn Abi Talib, and he mentioned the statement of the Prophet that don't punish with the punishment of Allah. And if you punish them, don't punish with fire. Because that's specifically the punishment of Allah. He said, but I would have given them capital punishment because the Prophet wasallam said, مَنْ That whoever changes his religion, then he is to be given capital punishment. So these are the four categories of people when it comes to Ikhlas and itiba Again, first category Those who worship Allah Sincerely and correctly Their acts are accepted Meaning they do it for Allah And they do it the way the Prophet did it Allah accepts for them The second category They're sincere But they're not correct in how they do it Allah does not accepted The third category They're not sincere But they're correct Allah does not accept. It. In the last category, they are not sincere, nor are they correct. Allah does not accept from them. And may Allah make us from amongst those who are sincere and correct in our ibadah.